Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is The Guardian. Hey, Jane Lee here. Last month, a freight train more than two and a half kilometers long derailed in the small Ohio town of East Palestine in the United States. While no one was injured, the train lost its cargo, releasing a cloud of toxic chemicals into the air and forcing some residents to leave their homes. In this episode from our global partner podcast Today in Focus, senior reporter for The Guardian US, Nina Lakani says that residents are furious about the accident and about how it's been handled by authorities. And she says Donald Trump has seized on this as an opportunity to bolster his campaign for the 2024 presidential election. Here's Nina. East Palestine is a small, sleepy, rural, industrial town in eastern Ohio, right on the border of Pennsylvania. It's got about 4,700 people who live there. It's predominantly white, working class, and it's a pretty conservative little town. Nina Lakani is a senior reporter with Guardian US. She's just come back from East Palestine, Ohio, where a month ago there was an accident. So right through East Palestine runs two train tracks where freight trains go past every, you know, three or four times an hour. And just before 9pm on Friday the 3rd of February, a train operated by Norfolk Southern has a problem and 38 cars of that train derail. Um, Another 12 cars begin to burn and what you see is this massive ball of fire sort of just like shoot up into the sky with you know lots of smoke like weird smells and no one really knows what's going on. There's some sirens everywhere around here in East Palestine Um, and now the fire seems to be under control a little bit more than it was when we first got here. After dangerous chemicals spewed from that train into the town, parts of East Palestine were evacuated. Then residents were told they could return. In the weeks since, they've been visited by a presidential candidate. Well, thank you very much, everybody. It's an honour to be here. It's an incredible place and some incredible supporters and people... That ...found themselves at the centre of a media storm. And welcome to Hannity, and tonight, whatever you do, just don't look up as thick, black, toxic chemical smoke is polluting the air over East... And all the while, they feel like they still can't get the answers they need to a basic question. Is it safe to go home? You don't know what to think. Suspicious and paranoid and... The government tells us our water's safe, our air is safe, and we don't believe them. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus. How an accident in Ohio 
turned toxic. Nina, tell me about this train and what it was carrying. So this train was 1.7 miles long, made up of 149 separate cars. That, that is incredibly long. That is inc- 1.7 miles long. But it was not classified as very long because under US law, a train has to be 150 cars to be classified as very long, hmm. in which case it then has other requirements. So this was 149 cars. And it was actually classified as a general merchandise train, even though 20 of those cars were carrying hazardous toxic materials, many of which were flammable. It included several cars of vinyl chloride, which is an incredibly toxic carcinogenic gas that is used to make plastics, lots of other industrial materials that are used to make paint and plastics. But it was also carrying things like frozen vegetables, beer, and passenger cars. But within that, there were all of these toxic gases and liquids that were on that train at the same time. And so was anybody hurt or killed in the derailment itself? No. So that is a miracle that everyone is very grateful for. There were no immediate fatalities or injuries. But because this train was not classified as a hazardous train, The company was not obliged to inform state or local officials what was on the train. So when a derailment happens at night and it's this huge fire, first responders had no idea what they were dealing with. I interviewed a police officer who was there within a couple of hours of the derailment and he said nobody was wearing protective gear. They could smell something terrible in the air, like it was like a burning plastic, as well as all the fire smoke. And they had no idea what was on the train. And in those initial hours after the derailment, what about the people living around the site? I mean, were they told anything about what was filling the the air that they were breathing? They had no idea. And really what I think is shocking is that, you know, people were trying desperately to find out what was happening through looking at local newspaper reports online. They were checking social media and they could obviously see the fireball from a long way away and they could see this smoke. Everyone just you know, stayed home and kept their windows shut and really didn't, that first night had no idea what was going on or what the chemicals were that were being sort of leaked out into their air. Okay, a few days later, this disaster appears to take another turn. What happens? A lot of the hazardous material and a lot of the chemicals were spilled and burnt, but there were five carloads of vinyl chloride, that very toxic gas that I mentioned that we used to make plastics, and it hadn't spilled and it hadn't burned. All right. Uh, We were notified a short time ago that we've had a drastic change in the chemical uh, inside the tank cars that we've been concerned about and watching all day, the vinyl chloride. And experts and authorities were really concerned that this could lead to an uncontrolled explosion. And if that was to happen, it could lead to sort of fragments of, you know, glass and metal just, you know, being shot into the air. They were saying that it could travel as far as a mile. Um, We are at a uh, risk now of a catastrophic failure of that container. Uh, Measures are being taken to try and control that and prevent that from happening. So they decide to do what they call a controlled burn of this very toxic material. And so that happens like three days later. 
and what residents see not just in East Palestine, but for miles and miles around. And I've seen the video that, you know, some people took videos and they've showed them to me. It's just like the whole of the atmosphere is covered in this like dark black sort of smoke. It doesn't even look like smoke because everything is black. It's like, imagine like the worst thunderstorm that you've ever seen in your life, just engulfing this whole area, you know, and they can just see it coming over their houses and their farms and their lands. As these chemicals are spewing out of the site and across the town and into surrounding towns, what kind of health conditions are they beginning to experience? So before the burn happened, there was a compulsory evacuation order for people in a small radius. You know, I think it was just a mile radius of the actual derailment site. So those folks left and you know weren't allowed to come back for three days, right? When folks start to come back a couple of days later, immediately people start reporting headaches. Kids become lethargic, just can't really get up and run around. Burning sensation in their nose, in their throat, nausea. Kids' skin starts becoming all rashy. A whole, you know, a whole range of symptoms that even today, more than three weeks later, people are still experiencing. It's just, I don't know, it's turned our lives upside down, to yeah. say the least. Have you noticed, um, so we're just standing on the corner. When I was there recently, um, I met a guy called Ben, who's 52. He was born and raised in East Palestine, and he lives 300 metres from the derailment site. So we came back to town from a hotel about 25 northwest of here, 25 miles. And uh, within a day or two, I noticed my eyes started to burn. Right. Uh, And my wife's had a on and off cough for the last couple of weeks. And one thing with me is everything I put in my mouth tastes like a copper penny. Everything from water to toothpaste to pasta, bread, wow. tastes like a copper penny. And so Nina, in response to this, this terrifying ball of smoke, to all of these things that people are experiencing, what is the government saying? What's it telling people about the danger that they might be in? So this is one of the sort of complicated and confusing things about the United States, right? That you have all these different levels of government and the immediate sort of emergency response falls to the state government. And what people have said and what people have sort of been most sort of, I guess, upset and angry about is just the confusing and mixed messages they were hearing. So they, in general, were being told that the air was fine, the water was fine, The Ohio EPA is confident that the municipal water is safe to drink. Are you confident enough, sir, that you yourself would drink it? Absolutely. Uh, If I was there right now, I would drink it. Uh, Look, the experts told us... After the three days after the chemical burn, everybody could go home. But what we do know is certainly those very first tests of water that were happening were being done by the company themselves. And what they were being told is there is nothing to worry about here. So have you had anything tested in your, have you had the water, the air? No, nothing. Because the people that are doing the testing are being paid by Norfolk Southern and I just simply don't trust. Right. I don't trust them. Right. I have, I have a lot of distrust in, in my government right now. Yeah. You had parents seeing that their kids were unable to get up and run around, that they had rashes coming out on their faces, that they, you know, would go into the shower And it just smelt of burning plastic when they ran the water, right? So people, you know, very quickly, people started 
to mistrust the information they were getting. They felt that the company was way too involved and it also wasn't matching what they were experiencing themselves. Nina, you spent some time in East Palestine in these areas around the derailment site. Did you smell anything in the air? Did you experience anything that gave you a sense that, that something was wrong in this town? So I went with Ben down to the derailment site, right? Three weeks, exactly three weeks after the derailment happened. That accordion shape. And we were standing there talking and, you know, we could see some workers wearing these hazmat sort of masks and others not wearing anything at all. And as we were talking, the wind shifted and all of a sudden I got this sort of waft of this burning plastic smell that they had been, you know, describing to me. Smell that? Yeah, I smell it. It smells like burnt plastic. Yeah. Is this the smell that you talk about? Yeah. The day after they breached the tanks, it started blowing And honestly, within minutes, I got a sore throat. And I had a sore throat for the rest of the day. So you have a situation where the state is telling people everything's okay, but that's not what they're experiencing. So what do they do? What's the next step that they take? This is a small community where nothing like this has happened before, right? So they don't really know what to do. They don't know who to trust. You know, and as all of this confusion is sort of being, I guess, fermenting, some residents contact Erin Brockovich. Um, mm. she, she, yeah, we all know her as, um, as Julia Roberts in that Hollywood blockbuster, right? Sure, yeah. You yeah. know, she was a, a legal clerk turned whistleblower and environmental activist. And she's since become really like a sort of, a celebrity environmental advocate who travels around the US when there are environmental disasters. And so she announced that she was going to be doing a town hall last week. But that was because various people from the community had contacted her. They held a town hall at the high school exactly three weeks after the derailment. And I went along to that. It's five o'clock and I'm outside East Palestine High School. And there is a line of, oh, I'd say 200 people at least. Um, and you know, most folks here are from East Palestine, but there's also folks from um, further afield in Ohio and in Pennsylvania um, who've come here in solidarity. Hi. Good evening. My name is Erin Brockovich. And I'm Julia Roberts. <laughs> And I could see the frustration and the confusion growing for all of you. You were saying you don't feel you were being heard, you were getting conflicting messages, you were confused, you were fearful. Nina, the state has been telling these people from virtually the beginning that they have nothing to worry about. I'm just wondering, are they right to be sceptical? I mean, is there a history of people being told by the government in the aftermath of disasters like this that things are okay and later they turn out not to be? I mean, I would say we've seen it happen time and time again from the Erin Brockovich sort of um, case 30 years ago to many other environmental disasters involving, you know, not just trains but other chemical spills gas leaks, water contamination. It's happening time and time again. These chemicals can be in water sources and in soil for years. And so residents are, you know, people are, people are on the internet looking for these things, right? So they're finding out this information themselves at the town hall last Friday. The, the water expert that was there 
basically came on stage and said, for those of you that decide to stay in East Palestine, you are going to be dealing with this for the rest of your lives. You know, the water is damaged and it's contaminated and you are going to have to find a way to protect yourselves from this. What kind of responsibility does Norfolk Southern, the, the company that was operating the train, have in this kind of situation? And did people feel like they were living up to those responsibilities? I mean, there is so much anger towards Norfolk Southern in the town. At a CNN town hall on Wednesday night, one resident took the CEO of Norfolk Southern to task. The people of East Palestine are just being treated like dummies. We're not dummies. We're smart people. I, I don't feel safe in this town now. You took it away from me. But your company stinks. Yeah, I mean, this is a community that has these freight trains like flying past several times an hour. They know that this company reported $3 billion in profits last year. It is one of the biggest, richest railroad companies in the United States and one that donates huge amounts of money to political campaigns in Washington. And what they've done so far in the community is give people $1,000 inconvenience checks. An inconvenience check? Yeah, so folk, for folks that had to move, to, to, you know, to, to be evacuated, they gave them a $1,000 inconvenience check, which people mm. find like incredibly insulting. And what about the inconvenience to Norfolk Southern? Have they had to halt train services through the town since the incident? One of the things that is really striking and has been incredibly jarring for the community is just how quickly Norfolk Southern got the train up and running again. I mean, you know, they buried all of this toxic waste in order to repair the train tracks. So by the time Ben and his neighbour, Scott, who I also met, you know, who lives even closer to the derailment site, by the time they were moving their families back in, the trains were already up and running. Right in my house. So, my, and correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that the company was very keen to get the trains moving again. That was so the number one thing. What did you think when you saw the trains moving up and down again so quickly? The trains were going down before we even got in. Before you got back? Yeah. By the time I got home, there was trains going. What does that, how did you feel to see that go past? That's yeah, a little bit of a slap in the face. Yeah. Put it in a nice way. Yeah, it was a slap in the face. Nina, normally with these kinds of stories, you see a kind of peak of media coverage in the aftermath, and then it slowly begins to die off. That isn't what's happened in East Palestine. In the weeks since the derailment, the disaster has become a massive national media story. Tell me about how that happened. So what you see in the sort of days after the derailment is increasing frustration from residents about the lack of information that they're getting about they don't you know the fact that they don't know who's in charge and i think the far right media in the us particularly fox but others as well really see an opportunity here right east palestine is a predominantly white republican voting area and not just suggesting but stating outright that this community is being um, you know neglected East Palestine is overwhelmingly white and it's politically conservative. More than 70% of the voters in the surrounding county supported Donald Trump in the last election. That shouldn't be relevant, but as you're about to hear, it very much is. So Fox is sort of running with this and so are sort of other right-wing sort of news outlets. And despite the Biden government 
really working quite hard to sort of dispel this accusation that the federal government hasn't been there, that it's not doing anything for the people. It really does start to gain some traction in this sort of niche Trumpy world. What's going on, guys? I guess since Pete Buttigieg, Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, and basically most of Washington, D.C. refuses to do their actual job, uh, someone's got to step up. We are now boarded. Uh, Trump Force One waiting for... Former President Trump will address the residents of East Palestine today. Mike, he's going to put on a big show, isn't he? It's going to be like a campaign rally. The last week Donald Trump turns up, he holds a small rally. So former President Trump touching down in Ohio yesterday, bringing bottled water and McDonald's for first responders. Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful looking group of people. That's what it is. This is really America right here. We're standing in America. Unfortunately, as you know, in too many cases, your goodness and perseverance were met with indifference and betrayal in some cases. And he manages to make it to East Palestine before any cabinet minister from the Biden government turns up. That's that's pretty incredible, Nina, that the first national politician on the scene isn't someone from Joe Biden's administration. It's it's Donald Trump. I mean, absolutely. And the extreme white saw an opportunity here. But Joe Biden's government created that opportunity partially as well. The previous week, Joe Biden had made this, you know, rather unexpected visit to Ukraine. And that was really sort of taken hold of by the, you know, the extreme white saying he cares more about people in Ukraine and he cares about white people in America. And, you know, while the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, which is a federal agency sort of responsible, while Mike Regan, who runs that agency, has been twice to East Palestine, not a single cabinet minister had been. Um, The transport minister turned up a day after Trump. But really, they're on the back foot by this point, right? And and even though Joe Biden is giving interviews. Do you have any plan to travel to Ohio? And have you talked with the mayor yet? Let's put this in perspective. Within two hours of that derailment, the EPA was in there. Within two hours. Every major agency in the United States. All federal agencies have been given authorization to put all the resources they need into this cleanup. He didn't show up. These, these are communities that the Democrats have to win back. They have to win these communities back. These were people who feel really neglected by the party, right, where there were heavy industries like steel and coal and other things, and they have gone to Trump and have moved towards the extreme right in many cases because they have not been hearing anything that resonates with them from the Democratic Party. You know, on what is one of the worst industrial disasters in in the US for a long time. And Joe Biden, the president, doesn't show up. And Donald Trump does. Hmm. And just to be clear, I mean, is there any truth at all to these claims that are circulating in the extreme right that this has been neglected because it's a community that's predominantly white? Like, is that borne out at all in the facts? No, I spoke to a former president of the NAACP from a local town and he made the point saying if East Palestine isn't getting what it needs, it's not because they're white, it's because they're poor. And the extreme right, including Donald Trump, have only ever paid lip service to the white working class. You know, we know there is very good data that shows us that people of colour and Indigenous Americans are the most likely 
to suffer from air pollution, to live closest to industrial plants, petrochemical plants. And the fact is almost 25 million Americans live within a mile of a railroad carrying these freight trains, many of them which do carry toxic chemicals, and they run all the way across America from north to south. So there is just absolutely no truth in that accusation. But what is Trump's actual record when it comes to disasters like this? I mean, if you look at the way that he governed, what role did he play in what we've seen in East Palestine over the past few weeks? I mean, I think we can absolutely point to Trump's dire record on protecting communities from environmental hazards and other safety regulations. He basically threw out almost 100 environmental regulations during his four years in office. And that included things specific to the railroad industry. For example, he threw out minimum staffing levels for freight trains. He also threw out a very important rail rule that the Obama administration had passed in 2015, requiring electronic brakes in certain types of freight trains that were designated as hazardous trains. This train was classified as a general merchandise train, so that brake rule would not have applied to this train. So for me, the bigger issue is there's a problem with the classification system, right? If you've got a 149-car train and more than 10% of those cars are carrying highly hazardous, flammable materials, why is it not classified as a hazardous train? Hi. Let's go. I went down to the site of the derailment with Scott, who lives just um, 300 metres or so from where the accident happened. And as we were standing there talking, um, you know, one of these trains came past. And I lost count at 100 cars, but these cars were just going past and lots of them were hazardous, flammable materials. Uh, but Nina, Joe Biden has been in office for a while now. Why hasn't he reinstated this electronic brake rule, made it easier to classify these kinds of trains as hazardous? Doesn't he have the power to do these things? I do think it's really important not to make this just, you know, this didn't start with Trump and it hasn't ended with Trump. You know, the deregulation that's been happening around the railroads and the, the lobbying power of the railroad companies goes way back. Right. I mean, this, you know, this electronic break rule that Obama passed in 2015, Trump cuts that rule. But Biden's been in power for two years. It hasn't come back. Right. This is wider context and landscape of sort of railroad companies and the industry itself spending millions and millions of dollars every year on lobbying in Washington in order to push back against any type of regulation claiming that its technological advances means that they don't need more staff on the trains. I mean, this train that derailed had two members of staff on there, two and one trainee. Coming up, once the media attention moves on, what happens to the people of East Palestine? 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Nina, at this point, according to the government and its experts, the town is currently safe to inhabit. You can drink the tap water. There's no serious problem with air quality. But what is it going to take for, for people in the town to trust those assurances and feel that East Palestine is a safe place to live? Honestly, I'm not sure that people will ever feel completely safe again. Um, I met a retired couple called Ron and Peggy when I was in East Palestine, and they haven't returned home after three weeks. Every time they come back to their house to try and just you know collect the mail or just make sure the pipes are fine, Ron instantly becomes sick. He's got symptoms. What symptoms do you have? Well, just the burning eyes and the smell and, and the taste of it, burning throat. We yeah. keep coming back hoping that it lessens so we, can, we want to go home. Yeah. We want to go home. But apart from these immediate symptoms, are you worried about any long-term implications? Well, yeah. I mean, what is it doing to me and others long-term? I mean, we don't know. Yeah. We have no ideas, and nobody really has answers for it yet either. No. And yet the authorities are saying everything's fine. You know, um, Scott, who I met, who lives, you can see the derailment from his, from his yard. He goes into the shower, and the water smells of burning plastic. You know, this is a guy who is trying to be self-sufficient. He grows all his own vegetables in his garden. He fishes. He hunts for deer. And he's terrified, you know, like his soil is contaminated, you know, and he can't get anyone to test his soil because soil has been considered a low priority. Some people are not coming back. Like some people have left and they're not coming back. I mean, people are genuinely terrified. You've told us about the way this is a distinctly American disaster in some ways, the result of years of deregulation and a general attitude that rules only slow business down. Even as Fox News and people like Donald Trump try to put the blame elsewhere, do you think the right lessons are going to be learned? I mean, I think the short answer to that is no, because we'll be back in a political cycle in less than two years, right? And money talks. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of reporting on all types of environmental and climate sort of disasters in this country. And like it's like an American political psyche where big business is boss, you know, and I don't think that is only an American problem. I mean, we see it in the UK, we see it in many countries where, you know, political influence is bought. But I think in the US, it is so much an everyday part of life. You know, it's the way politics are done and the health and safety of individuals, of communities, of the environment, of the planet, of the water supplies really has 
always played second fiddle to profits. Uh, and this, you know, this disaster is terrible, but it's not the first. Two weeks before this happened, I was reporting two hours away from you know, the second biggest methane leak in US history at a gas plant. I mean, these disasters happen time and time again. There's more than a thousand derailments every year in this country. So I hope, you know, I think everyone hopes that the committee hearings and the inquiries that have been triggered because of this disaster will lead to some improvements. But you're always going to be fighting that with the, you know, the endless amount of money that these industries have in pushing back. And for the residents of East Palestine, once all the media attention moves on, once this ceases to be a meme for the far right, what happens next for the town? Life is never going to be the same again for these people, right, for this community. I mean, Ben said to me, this has turned our lives upside down and it's going to be this way for a long, long time. As I've heard rumours, and these are strictly rumours, that our property dropped 40% overnight and 40% is huge. Yeah. Even if it was half of that or even a tenth of that, that's still, yeah. you know, that's equity that yeah. we no longer have. Yeah. Many of these chemicals and you know, chemical byproducts that experts are warning about that can stay in the water and the soil for years to come. Yeah, the forever chemicals are what bothers me. I don't know what the byproducts are. I have a pretty good idea what the chemicals were on the train on the consist, but I don't know what they broke down to and what what they are in the long run. My wife wants to leave. We've both been in this town for our whole lives. We've raised our kids in that house. I've been there 22 years and now she wants to leave and that kind of bothers me. But Because of what's happened? Yeah. But everybody I know looks at the trains a little bit differently now. You know? They just, they look at them out of the corner of their eyes. I don't, the trust isn't there anymore. And, you know, not just East Palestine, right? The, the, all the creeks around the community that go into the Ohio River, that head down to Mississippi and connect with the Mississippi River, all of those communities as well are also worried, right? That in 10 years, maybe in 20 years, they're going to start to see cancer clusters, they're going to start to see other health problems. And by then, it will be too late, right? Everyone will have forgotten about them. They don't know what to worry about. They're worried about so much, but they don't know. Um, you know, and it's this unknown that's really, really scary. And it's going to be that way, I think, for years and years to come. Nina, thanks so much for sharing this story with us. Thank you. That was Nina Lakani, a senior reporter with Guardian US, whose coverage of the East Palestine derailment and its aftermath you can find at theguardian.com. Norfolk Southern has said it's been committed since day one to remediating the site around the disaster, which it'll do through continuous long-term air and water monitoring. Its CEO, Alan Shaw, has said, we're going to help the residents of this community recover, and we're going to invest in the long-term health of this community, and we're going to make Norfolk Southern a safer railroad. On Thursday, Ohio's two federal senators, Democrat Sherrod Brown and Republican J.D. Vance, introduced a bill that would force all train companies, transport hazardous materials to comply with new regulations, including creating emergency response plans, paying for hazardous material training for local police and ambulance staff, and increase the fines such companies would have to pay in the event of accidents. That was Today in Focus host Michael Safi. Earlier, you also heard from Nina Lakani, a senior reporter for The Guardian US. 
This episode was produced by Tom Glasser and Redzi Bernard with sound design by Solomon King. Additional production by Camilla Hannon. The executive producer of Today in Focus is Phil Maynard. I'm Jane Lee, and we'll be back with a regular episode of Full Story for you tomorrow. Catch you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.